Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Hook up indeed. Back from NOLA and uh, back talking Washington, Texas, Bama, Michigan, which turns out to be one of the most watched college football games of all time. And not surprising, by the way, Brad, in the middle of the day on New Year's Day with those two big brands and subplots at Michigan, Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh, yeah, and it went to overtime. So as we say, ratings are usually are usually they are rated and uh, determined by number of viewers, but then how long the viewers stick with it. Yep. And you weren't leaving that game. No, and then with social media, it brings in more viewers. That's right. As the game gets more competitive, it's competitive in the fourth quarter. Um, the, the the newer generations, you were just talking about uh, Nolan, your son. They don't watch sports. He may watch it, but young generations don't watch sports the same way we did. Where they watch an entire game, they actually come in and out of the game. They <laughs> they go do other stuff. They come back. They don't have the attention span for it. Yeah, they don't. They don't want to watch a four-hour game like we do, uh, like the older generation. So they often come in via social media when they start seeing it trend and they start seeing that it's late in, in the game and it's still competitive. So that's why the ratings peak like that later on. Yeah, and the Longhorn game didn't have as good a rating. But big part of that is it tipped, you know, kicked off 845 Eastern time and didn't end until after midnight East late. Coast. Yeah, it was late. It was late. And it, and because, it started late. Yeah, because it went to overtime in the yeah, previous yeah. game. So they weren't going to overlap over, over, uh, that. So it, was, it didn't start till 9 o'clock Eastern time. So, it was you know, brutal. And on New Year's Day, if you're up and like, wow. like bringing in the new year, you're not staying up on the East Coast to watch the uh, the end of the Washington, Texas game. Yeah, there's some people who haven't had a lot of sleep in the last three days. Yes. Between New Year's <laughs> and between, yeah, the game and then to drive back like yourself. It's been a rough couple of three – rough three days here. Well, that's uh, part of it. The, the drive back was, was not ideal. But uh, it, it's to be expected when that many Longhorn fans, they're trying to make their way back west. At the same time, it's mm. going to be, you know, it's going to be pack your patience time for sure, and it was. And it's funny, I was telling you, Rod, that my my back's a little bit sore this morning from the drive and walking all over New Orleans. You walk a lot of miles while you're there uh, going from place to place. It's a walking town, which is cool. It's a good city for that. Uh, but my, my knee's sore because, I, you know, because not only did you did you have to drive for 11 hours, you, you couldn't use cruise control really because you were in traffic the whole time. Nope. So, I mean, I'm 51, so yes, things get sore that shouldn't, but my knee is sore because you, you couldn't not be on the, the accelerator or the brake. You're always, and it's for 10, 11 straight hours, man. You're I, just, didn't, oh. I didn't realize oh. that. So my car has cruise control, but it has like the adaptive cruise control where it breaks if there's cars in front of you. Yeah. Wow. So nice. I, I had no idea my car could even do that. So I, I was cruise controlling pretty much the whole time. Besides the, you know, like standstill traffic in Baton Rouge and Houston, but. It was a, I learned a lot about my car during this trip. Well, because remember, when you, and for people who haven't been, when you come out of Baton Rouge, uh, you have to make a pretty sharp left turn and head west. I mean, essentially you come up into Baton Rouge and you head yep. and you, you make a sharp left turn and on, a, on a freeway, on I-10, by the way, and head up the, over the bridge, over the Mississippi River. And that's where it bottlenecks. So you're essentially – and that gets cut down to two lanes at times, and you're putting – thousands of cars coming mm-hmm. through there at the same time and that's where it really backs Traffic up. Traffic McGinn. Yes it is. It is. <laughs> and look you only have two lanes to, to to get turned and up over the bridge and then it bogs down when it goes back to two lanes in places like Lafayette and Lake Charles and all that. But either way, uh it's such a fun trip that you just uh you, you grind through it and pack your patience and get on back here. Glad everybody's back safe. And then to make matters worse, as Ty said, then because of the delays through Louisiana you hit the traffic in Houston at rush hour, uh coming through I ten and then you hit a rainstorm. I, know. I don't know, Rod. You were here yesterday. It, How much? I mean, it must have rained several inches yesterday. No, it did. It was and it was a thunderstorming too. Like it, it, it had the dogs affected. Had to 
give the dog some CBD. Like it was, it was thundering too. Yeah, from from Lagrange <laughs> to uh, it was coming down all the way to to the house. It was we needed it, pouring down, and that was at eight eight thirty at night. So, and I, we were told from folks who were back here that it was pouring at oh, like three in the day. afternoon. Yeah, it was like all day long, pretty much. Yeah, the storm never moved. So, that was fun to uh, finish the trip <laughs> after sad. nine hours with a rainstorm. Like, oh, now you're really white knuckling this thing in the dark and lightning strikes and stuff. It was fun, but uh, you know that's. Everybody that had to do it had to do it, and so we're glad. Everybody, hopefully, everybody got back it's, safe. It's a good, it's a good problem uh, to have to deal with that your team is playing for a college football championship, and hey, you got a chance it, within your region to be able to make the trip to go support the team. That's awesome. Like I said, usually around bowl season, we're accustomed to Texas playing in a lackluster bowl that nobody really cares about, and not a lot of Longhorn fans are traveling for it, even if it's two hours down the road or something because it's a bowl. It's the Alamo Bowl or it's the Texas Bowl again. And <laughs> or that, no bowl. Or no bowl. Not the case for this team, man. This team uh, was, a, it was, it was a great team. Um, there was some disappointment, obviously, in the way they performed in that game, but these are good problems to have. If Texas got this issue um, for the, you know, where they can't get over the hump quite to get to a national title game, but they're right there banging on the door for the next couple of years. That's that's a good that's a good thing. I mean, because Texas is ahead of schedule. They weren't supposed to be here this year. Now, I'm not saying that they don't didn't deserve it. They deserve it. That's pretty obvious. But in terms of our projections for this team, we most of us projected, hey, Big 12 title. That's the goal. You got to win the Big 12 this year. That's the track you're on. That's the pace you're on. They exceeded that. They went They're past that, that schedule, and I think it schedule. showed up in the game. I yeah. think when, you know when you take that step from Big Twelve to Elite Top Four. Look, Washington. You know we we said this for a month, and that's why. Again, you were on point with everything you said about this team and what they had to deal with. But look, a better quarterback at Washington. Mm-hmm. They had a better quarterback than you. That yeah. showed up. They had a better coach. Mm-hmm. Steve Sarkeesian still has to prove. But I mean, Kalen DeBoer and Sark is not a lot of separation. But DeBoer is the national coach of the year, and we felt like you know his team with the experience he had. And they, they had a better game plan here. But, but it helps when you have the better quarterback and then three great receivers, and you're dealing with the number one passing offense in the country, uh, the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line that don't give up sacks. So, so everybody you know, clamoring about why couldn't we hit the quarterback. No one really hits Michael Penix in his career. You're no different. Uh, it's just kind of the deal. And you've got to figure out a way. And the way is you have to outscheme them, and then you have to outscore them. Uh, you just do. Go back to the game. They, the, the game they, they, they most, in 20, 21 consecutive wins now. The game that they should have lost was the Oregon game at home just in Seattle where Dan Mullen kept going for field goals. They lost that Arizona State game. They almost, yeah. Well, well, they didn't even score an offensive touchdown. You're right about that. They had a pick six, (laughs) but pick six. Well, that's the last point, at least that I'm going through. But so so you have to outscore them usually Mm -hmm. when they're going. When when, when Penix is in a rhythm, you've got to outscore them. And Texas stopped scoring in the third quarter, and they gave up 13 unanswered points, and that really lost them the game. But the the other point is, Rod, you you have to – you have to anticipate that we're going to have to score a lot of points here to beat this team. The, the Oregon game that they lost, that they won at home, that was when Dan Mullen kept going for it on fourth down and not taking the field goals. They were 0-3 on fourth down. Yes, right. and that's nine that. points, mm-hmm. and they would have won the game. Yeah. So you have to keep scoring. Texas did not. Uh, and so this kind of came, kind of played out as, as advertised if you were doing the deep dive work that you were doing and we were talking about on this show. And, and, and here's the last point. They are more clutch than you. Yes, they are. That's another thing you have to overcome, and I'll give you the stat. Washington is now the first team to play in 10 straight games, decided by 10 or fewer points, and win all of them in Division I, the Division One era of college football. That's how clutch they are. That's pretty awesome. Yep. Uh, and so you have to beat all that, and Texas couldn't, and they damn near did. So that's the – to your point about, you know, dealing with the frustration that you're feeling today and yesterday and Monday night is much better than the apathy – of previous years you're getting there mm-hmm. and Michigan you know Michigan's lost in the national semifinal run each of the last two years and now they're playing for the natty that's kind of the path you'd like to Georgia had to go through some tough tough national semifinals uh, before they won one and then they won two that's kind of the typical growth of this thing it's not very few LSUs that come out of nowhere win it all win it all and then fall apart yeah, <laughs> and then fall apart. Yeah, like uh, that's like Auburn did with Cam Newton. Yes, and it's usually because one player comes in there and kind of transforms the program. Yeah, uh, but no, that's that's a great point. I agree with you one hundred percent. And you know the thing about uh, this Texas team being ahead of schedule, you can tell because they lost this game essentially based on their the the lack of roster construction in certain positions that they just haven't addressed really yet. They haven't had time. 
They built the offense with big humans on the O-line. Sark got his quarterback and brought in X-Men guys receiver. JT Sanders at tight end. They built that offense quickly because <laughs> Sark's an offensive guy. He's like, I, I, I'm getting my guys. I need my big humans. Big I need humans. my speed. <laughs> and then he told PK, PK, you got to wait, man, like a year or so. Right? Let me get my offense together. We got to devote resources to that. That's talent acquisition priority number one right now. And then we'll get to the defense. And they started getting to the defense, right? Got your, your Anthony Hills and you got your young Malik Muhammad and your uh, you got your uh, young Terrence Brooks back there now. Derek Williams, a young buck now. Uh, so they get some young guys. I think they thought they had more talent on defense to develop, and, and they're right, in addition to Sark being an offensive guy. So they emphasized talent acquisition on offense first, and they just started building the defense in the last but couple of talent acquisition cycles. 18 months, yeah. Yeah, so you got your, your Anthony Hill, you got your Malik Muhammad, you got your Derek Williams, and they're going to get Colin Simmons in. And there's a reason, guys, that you have five DBs in this recruiting class. There's a reason. Two five-stars. Right? There's a reason you're bringing in six and total. several high-end four-stars. Yeah, with McCooper, you're bringing in, what, six DBs in terms of a talent acquisition uh, uh, you know, season here. And I think that – that's, guys, that is deliberate. That's intentional. That's Texas looking at their weaknesses and looking at the last phase of roster construction for uh, Sark here and building this thing. And and they thought, I don't know why, they thought they could wait on DB to to overhaul and construct that position last because that's it seems like that's what they're doing. Remember line that linebacker class was that two years ago? It was, it was yeah, well, yeah, it was twenty twenty. They ran like four five, line, five, five, five if you if you. So, yeah, they, they, they've been building you it. You consider Colin Simmons a linebacker. Yes, and I bet they'll go, I bet they'll go back to the D-line, actually, after this class. Well, and think about this. losing so many D-line. To your point about P.K., I mean, to P.K. was somewhat mocked when he was hired by or questioned by a lot of Longhorn fans because at Washington he specialized in that 2-4-5 defense, right? Yes. Where they do two down linemen, and then it's kind of four linebackers, but they're hybrid. They get the two overhangs on the edges are yeah, hybrids. Yeah, that they can, they can yes. set the edge, but they can also rush. Yeah. And then the five defensive backs. That's what I got Ethan Burke doing kind of now. Right. Like Ethan Burke, like, dropping the coverage well, sometimes. And I think so. if you're looking at their talent acquisition, that's where they're going, right? Mm-hmm. PK's going to build the defense in his image like Sark's building the offense. And so you don't need as many big defensive tackles. You need a few. You need some big dudes. But you want speed, and that leads to – you know, the four, five linebackers in the last class with Darian Gallette and Samaje Burrell and Leona LaFau, uh, Colin Simmons. What, you know, what, what, they call them linebackers. They're either, you know, edge or, or linebacker. And now you follow that up with six DBs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, you know, you also last year recruited a kid out in New Jersey named Sadir Mitchell, who's a big body, big, you know, space hauler up front. Look, go back to when, when Sark was at Washington. He wanted those big – Haloti Nada type guys, you know, who would just hold the point and then speed everywhere uh, where you could be, you know. Um, and Sark said he hired PK because it was so tough to go against his defenses yep. because they could confuse you in so many ways. And, um, you know, so now he's letting PK build the defense that used to give Sark trouble when he was at Washington, yeah. uh, when, when, when PK was at Boise. And yeah. Sark was playing when he was at Washington. No, it, was, it was still the same defense. PK has been running basically that same style of defense uh, since he's been a defensive coordinator. And you're right. It, it, and they're, they're building it last. And even Sark talked about the DBs in his class, what they all have in common. They're all coverage guys. So they're recruiting coverage, something. Coverage and pass lacking. rush. Um, and gotta, now I always say you gotta, you got to recruit what you can't coach. And you can't coach pass rushing ability. You can't coach coverage ability. And he also mentioned the DBs, this is something that went under the radar, that Basically, all of them are hybrids. Yeah, they don't even want to be. But he said it. He, he called Kobe Black. Kobe Black went on um, Twitter and said, "I'm a cornerback." And Sark said in the introductory press conference, he's a three-position player. He can play cornerback, gonna play safety, and he can play nickel. Yeah, they want to be versatile. He said and... that about. He said that about at least four of the defensive backs that they have versatility, and that these guys can move around. They can play multiple positions, have multiple in their skill set. That is not by. Trust me, that's not coincidence. That is by design, and as goes what you said about PK's defense, they want those big, big bodies uh, to win the numbers game in the interior. But most of those other positions are going to be hybrid kind of players. Guys who are not at a a, high, a matchup disadvantage when teams start spreading them out and looking for those hunting those matchups. Well, think about the three keys there, Rod. That's that's coverage, uh, pass rush, and speed. Yep. With the size and the girth in the middle, right, to hold yeah. the point of attack. You're, you know, you're not going to have Tavondre Sweat, and you're not going to have uh, 
um, you know, Byron Murphy moving forward. They're probably off to the National Football League or Alfred Collins, but you're coming with Sadir Mitchell and you're coming with Vernon Broughton and you're coming with Trill Carter and you're going to keep adding to that. And they, they brought in several others in their D-line class. And then those hybrid players, as you said, around that, that what is Ethan Burke, right? You saw him dropping into coverage. Yep. In the game against uh, Washington the other night, uh, Colton Vosick is another guy coming. Colin Simmons, Darian Gallette, Samaje Burrell, all these guys. And then now you got to have coverage in the back end. Yep. And you got a versatile, cross-trained coverage. You know, Dwayne Aquina somewhere is doing a rain dance because he's loving the no, cross-train. Exactly. <laughs> Everything's full circle, right? It's just It seems like this is kind of full circle. When I played and they were looking for five tool DBs, essentially it's kind of the same thing. But you want guys that can cover. And I think that's going back to the Texas-Washington matchup. They're, they're ahead of schedule. They haven't addressed, fully addressed the secondary yet. And he came back to bite them. It's not, I don't think it's anybody's fault. It, like I said, they're ahead of schedule. And they were, they're still building this defense. And what didn't they, didn't they have? Enough of. Pass rushing, pressure on Penix, and didn't have enough coverage defenders uh, that were holding up against the deep ball and against those vertical shots downfield. They, they're going to get there. That's the last piece of the roster construction. And if I'm sorry, I feel good because, like, yeah, I lost, we lost this game because, yeah, we just didn't have enough time to rebuild every phase and every facet of ma- the defense. And to your credit, Rod, you said the day that they, they, the matchup was announced, and I thought, well, maybe this is the, the best matchup. You said, no, it's not. Yeah, it was, it was bad. This is a bad matchup for Texas, and yeah. we saw why. Now, the matchup with, with Alabama or oh, Michigan would have probably been better. It would have been way better. Yeah, because we stopped the run. We can, we, we're can we physical at the point of attack. We can handle Jalen Milrow or J.J. Yeah. McCarthy. And we can cover your guys. We can't cover these guys. Can't cover three NFL wide And we'll receivers. see if Michigan can. Michigan Michigan might have some trouble with them, too. I think, well, Just I think, a little bit. Just if Penix is that, he's, if he's on like he was versus Texas, they'll have issues. But Michigan's defense is better than Texas' sure. defense. They're, because the secondary is better. Yeah, and Connor Stallions was seen at the Rose Bowl, just so you know. (laughs) Cited. Seriously. Yeah, about the passing game, I know Longhorn fans are frustrated with the Texas passing game. Here's my – this is what I think happened, just in a nutshell. I think Sark wanted to come out and get Quinn in the groove. And, by the way, I supported that. I I was on on the record saying I think they should pass to open up the run. Uh, The weakest down defensively for Washington was their pass defense on first down. And I shared that information with you guys. I think Sark saw the same information and thought, hey, man, I like to throw anyway. I need to get Quinn in the groove and in the rhythm because if Quinn's And they're not, bad on screen passes. They're we can... bad on screen passes early on. We're great at screen passes. Uh, they have the third most missed tackles in all the Power Five. It did fit that you open up with the passing game, get Quinn coming off his best game ever in a groove because when Quinn's not playing confident – uh, the, the offense kind of goes off the rails. If Quinn's playing well, that offense is one of the best offenses in the country. It might be the best if he's playing well. If he's not, then I think it goes off the rails pretty quickly and be really inconsistent, and he can be erratic. And that's essentially what, what happened when you started out the game because Sark started out running a lot of RPOs. Now, that, that makes sense because if you're going to throw on early downs, you don't just you want to give yourself options, and it was essentially taking what the defense was giving them. Early on, though, Washington had a great game plan. First of all, your pre-snap penalties, you putting yourself behind the chains did not help. All you know, month long, I've been saying stay out of third and longs, and over 50% of your third downs were third and long. But I digress. They did a great job with those with those pass deflections, with defensive linemen getting their hands up on those quick RPO throws. RPO game, as I've said over and over again, is essentially it's a combination of the quick game and the run game. It's both. It's the quick game and the run game. And the passing game is usually a quick game. It's something quick. It's mean, a slant. They call it uh, sometimes a skinny post. Uh, they call it a tag, uh, a glance route. But the ball's coming out quick. You know it. It's going to be a one-step drop or a three-step drop, period. And I think Washington figured out with Quinn, sometimes his, uh, the point he releases the football because he's so comfortable throwing off different arm angles, sometimes it's a little low. On those he goes a little sidearm. A little sidearm. Because that's his most comfortable, you know, yeah. that's his cruise control. Exactly, because exactly. he knows I can get it there. I don't need to put too much velo on it. I'm going to be accurate. He puts the ball on the money. And usually there's no, it's not a concern. I mean, those plays, Sark even describes his offense as an RPO-based offense. So those plays usually get Texas in a groove and gets the offense in a rhythm. Right? Because, and, and by the way, it takes what the defense is giving you. If they give you the numbers advantage in the run game, you just hand the ball off. If they give you the numbers advantage in the, in, in the passing game, then you take the tag, you take the glance route. And, and by the way, uh, Quinn is great on RPOs. It's one of the strengths of his game. So it all made sense they started out the game that way. Well, Washington gave you the run game. They allowed you to get the run game. What they tried to take away was the pass. 
in the RPO, and they, they their defensive line did a great job. And I got to go back and watch and see if they actually were. This was sort of a calculated move by them. Oh, or they certainly just was. They were, they, well. Those guys weren't even rushing. They were watching eyes. Yes, like if you can't get home, get your hands up. And you're never going to get home on an RPO throw. You're not. You're never going to get to the quarterback. It's too quick. It's quick game. And if you can't get home, get your hands up. And they, they batted like three or four passes early. Yeah, between that and the Texas penalties, they didn't get into a rhythm offensively. Yes, and they got them to the third and longs, where I said you had to avoid. Over, I'll get the number here for you because I went and looked it up. How about this? So they had 11 third downs in that game. Uh, if you count fourth downs as a money down, they had a fourth and 11 at the end of the game. So that would make 12 money downs. And they were four of 12 on those money downs. Guys, 50 4% of the third downs with third and seven plus yards to go. I would venture to say that half of them were third and 10 plus yards to go. They were long yeah, third, third and downs. 12s, third, third and 11s, 12s. yeah. Over Guys, and over again in the first half. I'll give you this number. Washington, during the season, they held Washington's uh, opponents averaged third and long 20% of the time. Texas offense averaged third and long this season 20.4% of the time. In this game, it was over 50 <laughs> yeah, that's a win. And, and look, and you just said the reasons. I mean, you just said it. You can break this game down into three phases. First half, Washington, Washington's offense never slowed down until they were up 13 points and they kind of took their foot off the gas. But so the whole time Texas was having a hard time stopping Michael Penix because he was so hot and didn't, he's a damn good player with a damn good set of receivers and a damn good offensive line. But the first half, the rhythm never came because you said because of three things in my mind. The tip balls, which – derailed because several of them were going to be completions. There was one that had, uh, A.D. Mitchell was coming open yep. on a quick slant and it knocked down. I mean, over and over again. And then Braylon Trice and the negative plays. Like, he was he was a game record. He was. So he was putting you in negative plays. Their tackling was really good. And your own penalties were putting you behind the chains. Those three things never let your offense get into a rhythm. And that's why I said at the half, Rod, the fact that it's 21 nothing or 21 all is big because the Longhorns had the great drive with the pony package. Mm-hmm. They had the two-minute drive at the end of the half that was really well done, and Quinn using his legs. Because um, people ask, where, where were the, the yardage numbers for the players? Well, Quinn Ewers had a bunch on his, with the legs. He did. He kept being decisive with it. He dropped back. Nothing there. I'm going. Going. And he was picking up big Slide chunks. Slide That was a big part yeah. of that, that two-minute drill. Well, so, again, look at the stats. You're like, oh, my gosh, we're getting killed. It's 21 all at the half. Third quarter, you only got five plays. And by the time you got your offense back into what you hoped could be a rhythm, it was 13 nothing deficit. You know, you're down 34-21. Mm-hmm. So now the fourth quarter is just yeah, catch just, up. Yeah, exactly. Just go try catch to up. win it win it any way you can. You're right. It, it was – I think that second that second quarter to me was big because we were doing the, the On Texas uh, uh, on Texas live watch, uh, in-game live watch together. And I remember at that point I said, hey, E, they're averaging more yards per rush than they are yards per passing attempt. I think they should just try to run the football and protect the yep, defense. You keep, did. Keep that offense uh, of Washington's off the field, play keep away. And I think Sark had a chance to do it, and he didn't want to deviate from the script because, and I'm with him. I did the research too, and he's up thinking the numbers are too strong. They're terrible versus screens. They can't tackle the screen game. They don't defend very well on first down. But what I, did th- I don't think he calculated was them, their ability to improve and work on those issues. In that in that time off, they were better tackling on the screens than we than we anticipated. Much better. They were they were really good at defending the RPOs, not really with coverage, but with their defensive front getting their hands up and being able to congest those passing windows. And then Texas was undisciplined. We Texas gave them a couple of easy ones. And I went and looked at the first half uh, rushing yards without QB runs. So take uh, Quinn Ewers QB runs out of it. This is prior to the two minute drill. So take that out of it. And I didn't even use the Byron Murphy run either. So I'm taking no QB runs, no Byron Murphy run, no two minute drill. Texas was averaging over eight yards per rush. It's, they gave um, it to you. Now, you, you ain't doing that because you're a dominant offensive line. They gave that to you. They, they, did. they were defending. Well, you were getting the edge and your running backs were yeah. running good. They, were, they decided, you know what? And I think this is, I always say this in, in football, at times as a coach, when you're in the chess match within the game, sometimes you can't play the hand because you don't have a better hand. You've got to play the man. And Washington's done that twice against Sark. Play the man. They did it last year in the Alamo Bowl. The defensive coordinator said Sark doesn't have the patience to march down the field with the quick underneath passing game. He's going to take shots when he takes his shots. We defend that, and then they're behind the chains, and that's how we win the game. And they were right. And in this game, they did it a different way. They let Texas. Texas would have taken the underneath, and Texas was trying to take the underneath short passing game. They wouldn't give that to him necessarily. They gave him the run game. But they didn't think, and they were right, Sark had the patience to just hand off the football and play Big Ten football for that first half. They know Sark is – on a big game like this, you're talking about Sark, the guy who likes to bring the crowd to their feet with spectacular. 
particular eye-popping plays. Uh, eyeballs of the world are watching. Yeah, misdirection and all the same. He was, there was no way Sark was going to hand off that damn ball when he was on the big stage like this with everybody's watching, calling him a brilliant play designer and play caller. It was pride. It was pride. He should have run that ball, protected his defense, kept their offense off the field, but Sark wanted to show out in that game. And I ain't mad at you, Sark, because it's, it's the same reason that I love Dan Campbell, but it's a gift and a curse. He's aggressive. What does he call it? What does he say about his fury? It's controlled, controlled fury. fury. <laughs> it, it's the reason the Lions are – Octane. Yeah, it's the reason the Lions have won the division for the first time in 30 years. But, there's, hey, there's a downside to that, to that aggression. And you saw it when he went for a two-point well, conversion why... over and over again. And you saw it for Sark. His, his pride and ego makes you one of the most dynamic passing offenses in the country. It does. And it's, it's an aesthetically pleasing offense that recruits like, so you can recruit quarterbacks and wide receivers too, and the crowd even likes it because I hear y'all talking about how much I love Sark's offense. But at times it can be a curse because Sark can't get out of his own way, and Sark does not have patience to just hand off a football. Well, think about what you just said. I mean, obviously, and Sark would say, well, we, we were one pass away from winning the whole thing, and uh, that's yeah. true uh, with all of it said. And that's where when we say Kalen DeBoer is a better coach than Sark, it's very close. I mean, Sark is on his way to putting yes. himself into that conversation. He's growing. He's evolving. But listen to what you just said. As I listen to that, that's going to be Rod's rant, by the way, and we'll play the uh, Apple Leasing <laughs> Sounder Kona. That was really good stuff. But Kalen DeBoer anticipated play the man, and then worked on the things they're not good at, knowing Sark was going to attack them with, right? The screen yep. passes. Guys, we've got to concentrate on screens. Great point. Tackling on screens. Yep. We've we got a month to do this. We've got to get on it. RPOs. We've got to get our hands up. Yeah. <laughs> RPOs are coming. We've got to get our hands up. We've got to knock these balls. That was all intentional. And then they got the charity of two fumbles, ten Texas penalties, a lot of them self-inflicted. What about and that you brought up? You brought this on in-game live watch, and honestly, it, it was an astute observation. The fourth down, the fourth and one, that's oh. coaching. You brought it up. That was a chess match. They were going back and forth. Well, that one drove me crazy because oh. Texas fans will remember this. But there were Washington. Texas couldn't stop Washington. Uh, really didn't. Well, they, they were having a hard time stopping this offense, which we thought they would have a hard time with. And what ended up happening? They get to a fourth and short in their own territory where Texas had a chance to make a game-changing play and get a stop. They come out when you and I are on the in-game watch talking through this. Like, they're really going to go for this on the 30-yard line? No, 30-yard line. And he said, we, and, um, well, they, they line up, and like, they're probably just going to try to draw them off sides. Mm -hmm. That's what they're trying to do, draw them off sides. Uh, Texas doesn't jump. Well, what's, what Kalen DeBoer notices is that Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy are not on the field. <laughs> and so he goes to the sidelines, and, and um, maybe Penix said, hey, hey, hey coach, <laughs> big, 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 big Sweat's not there. Well, take that. We can do that. All right, go back out there. And he sent him back out. <laughs> him back and out. it was Trill Carter, and it was um, Vernon, Broughton. Vernon Broughton. Again. And they said, okay, we can get this. We got the Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line. We wouldn't have done this if those two dudes were in. We're going for this. Texas they're going to get a fourth down stop potentially or the punt. And get the ball back. And instead they went for it, and that, they went uh, down and scored on that drive. That was brilliant. They and went it, down and scored. That was a great observation. I didn't even see that. You like, they did it because Byron Murphy and Spudgey Swell were out. And I was like, they did. And that's why they, I think if they put him back out there, they would have they, they basically called another timeout or took the delay and punted if Tavondre Sweat and them were out there. They, wouldn't have, they, they only went for it because they saw Broughton and they saw uh, – Well, listen, they went to the sidelines after not – To discuss you know, it. To, 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 it looked out there and there was still they were out there. They tested them because they brought him out there the first time when they went to just draw them off sides. They were like, okay, they're going to do this again. Did they know we were going to draw them off sides? Let's see. Put, go out there and get in and see. And they, Texas didn't adjust. They're like, let's go. And that was the seven points. And they a, went and scored. That would have been that would have been because I think they wouldn't have gone for it. I think they would have punted. I think you're right, E. And they would have punted the ball. Who knows what happens from that point on? Uh, they went down and scored, and that's when it was 21-14. And then Texas came back and scored before the half to make it 21 all. But yes, that was. Uh, oh man, that's that, that's that, that not good. And I gotta say this, and then we'll get to the timeout because Nick Shuley's coming up with Setlist ATX, oh, okay. uh, all the live music coming up this weekend. Nice. Always good to talk to Nick and get his thoughts on this game and the one fun event we had there at Manning's. But how about this? Why was Keelan Robinson returning punt kickoffs with a cast <laughs> on his hand? I don't know. I don't, no, did anybody ask Coach about that? No, they were asking about other stuff. I was oh, like, I still don't get this. I don't get it either. Jeff Banks, like, what are you else doing? I have no idea. I can't I, answer I, that. Here's, my only answer is this, that Jaden Blue was returning the first two couple of kickoffs. But he was also became the primary ball carrier uh, mm -hmm. and after C.J. Baxter fumbled. And it was like, okay, we can't wear him down. But Keelan almost dropped two kickoffs. Yeah, and after <laughs> he dropped the first one, I was like, okay, definitely going to take him out now because he can't catch it. And they left him out there again. Those are, like, okay, baby steps here. We're getting there. If you're Texas, it's better to be talking about these problems than the apathy of the last 10 years. But true. still, that's what we do. And the autopsy of, uh, of a tough loss for Texas. 
and a tough drive back. We come back. Nick Shuley will join us from the uh, Clark Field Creative, uh, the third and Longhorn podcast, and the, uh, the head of the Austin Music Movement. His thoughts on the set list, the best live music of this week and weekend. Also thoughts on the game itself. Let's hook him up with Ian Rodby. Great stuff. That's Rod's rant of the day. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Yeah, a lot of takeaways from Monday night's uh, game. Longhorns lose 37-31, but uh, a lot to like about the course and the direction of the program as we laid that out of uh, how they're trying to build the defense now and the style of Pete Kwiatkowski, which they started with the offense, now working towards the defense, and they'll get there. This, this trip into the Final Four probably had a schedule for Texas. They won the Big 12, and that was the stated goal. And so human nature, maybe that was the goal. And uh, I don't say happy to be in the Sugar Bowl, but uh, it did feel like Washington played with more of an edge, yeah. more of that dog mentality. And, mm-hmm. look, Michael Penix said he had the better quarterback. And uh, I think Longhorn fans got, got to see just how good that young guy is. I think it's fair to say, talking to a bunch of Washington fans while I was in New Orleans, he was not healthy for a large stretch of the year. And Later I think, in the year. Yeah, later yeah. in the year. He wore down, and I do think we saw the fresh – yeah, Michael month Bennett. off. A month, month off of him helped. Month off of Quinn didn't help. Yeah, exactly. That's a month off that. Uh, yeah. Well, and who, I mean, I don't say who knows, but Quinn did look. I thought Quinn looked uh, assertive, but the tip balls hurt. Uh, the negative plays hurt. The penalties hurt, and then you know, then you're trailing. But he did almost bring him back, right? And so oh, yeah. this is a year two once quarter. Once you got him in a groove, once he got yeah, the you are. You were talking about a year two quarterback who Michael Penix is a year six quarterback. That is a difference, folks. That is a difference. <laughs> Huge difference. And so, uh, you know, I think you're seeing that. And now Michael Penix will be off to the NFL. Quinn Ewers will be back to run the Longhorns this year. But so you take that away. And you, but again, you like the course and act, uh, direction of this program. I think it's fair to say. Hey, Rod, I was going to ask you this. And Nick Shuley now joins us, the, uh, hey. the president of the Austin Music Movement. That's He's got me. the third and Longhorn podcast, which is killing it. He's got the Brotherhood podcast. This is a busy dude. He also joins us every third Wednesday for Setlist ATX, the best live music in the live music capital of the world. What's up, Nick? Happy New Year, bud. What's going on, guys? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, brother. Hey, you guys for this? Because Ty's doing the dry January thing. I was going to ask you this in Bullish or BS, Rod, and I neglected it. But I'm going to ask you and Nick and Ty can weigh in. You know, dry January is a thing. But I'm seeing this now, that something called January, where women are encouraged to skip shaving, waxing, and plucking for a full month. It's supposed to challenge beauty standards, and apparently January was started in 2019, and it's now got uh, quite a, a 40,000 followers on Instagram, and women are joining the January trend. Uh, and this is for women? Uh, uh, just women? Men, women. Women and men, just women? Well, women can grow out their – but guys can grow out their beer whenever they want. It's so we're talking cool. about women growing out all of their hair. <laughs> yeah. And not shaving anything. Pubic yes. hair. Yeah. Listen, I am against this for men and women. <laughs> I think this is disgusting for men and women. I think you should groom yourself. All right? And, and you know, man I – I do a lot of manscaping. And I yes. make sure I'm well-groomed. <laughs> I shave underarms. I shave everything. I, I, I'm, on my, I'm on former track You're guy. like a swimmer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> track guys do the same thing. Track guys think if you if you the less hairy you are, all right, the more, more you kind of you, you'll be sleeker. Aerodynamic. You are. Yeah, the more sleeker you'll be and the faster you'll be. So I do. I shave as much hair as I can, guys. I think hair on uh, a lot of hair on humans is kind of gross to me. But that's just how I operate. I'm not discriminating. But say my louder, women, Rod. Say louder. Yeah, the women, the women that I deal with, they are not hairy women, and <laughs> I I I, re- I reciprocate <laughs> I reciprocate that that uh, favor because I'm I'm not hairy. 70s, right? No, man. That's why I like adult entertainment these days because people shave. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think – I'll just there. say I don't <laughs> think you could do uh, dry January on our side if January's going on. That's just me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, I think or, we're all on the same – Or maybe hey, Ty, it's a really Ty, dry January. But anyway. <laughs> Ty, you've had a beard for a long time. you got the long hair. But, DR, where are you on the female January? Uh, I'm, against? I'm against. <laughs> Okay, I'm with yeah, you on that. No, very against mm-hmm. that. Especially, I mean, like, I, yeah, just the ar- the armpits is the main the main concern <laughs> that, there. That's the main one. Legs. I mean, the, the, hold, on, you, hold on, you think the armpits is the the worst of the Jadia Harry uh, possible possibilities? I mean, I've I've jumped into the jungle before, Rod. I mean, it's <laughs> well, once, once you're there, you're there. It's Tarzan over there. <laughs> once you're, listen, I no, I no. Uh-uh. No, I, listen, I'm not saying I've never done it. I, I'm not going to say like I necessarily enjoyed it, but I mean, yes. like, it's not I, like I can I would, be like, all right, I'm leaving now. 
Sorry. I, I would discourage it at all. I would discourage oh, I do. it all the time. I mean, yeah, yes. Yeah. And yes. thankfully, I have a girl that, so you saying, I have a girlfriend that will not be participating in hair, hair, wherever it's called. I guess it's too Jan late when you, when you learn that. It's too Jan late. Harry. Oh, yeah, exactly. that's what I'm saying. So you jumped in the jungle before, but so you're like, but it's kind of like a pineapple on a pizza. You, you ate it, but you aren't, you didn't love it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> is it 10 o'clock yet? What is that? Seriously. Oh, sorry. Well, Nick's here. Hey, Nick, how was your new year? I know it was rough on Monday night. Uh, frustrating game for the Longhorns, but uh, how was your, how did you ring in the new year, my friend? Oh man, I was I was in New Orleans for the uh, for the game. I did a like twelve hour oh, trip to that. New Orleans. I know it was uh, it wasn't exactly planned out. Well, I was telling Ty about our journey back yesterday of trying like we we booked flights late and it was uh, I went with Higgs and uh, my brother in law Steve and uh, we had nice. a we had a fantastic time, man. And uh, but it was it, it was definitely tiring. But I, you know, I, I was proud of the team, proud of the guys. I don't think we played our best game obviously but it the, just the I think the part that hurts the most well we had an agreement as a group going in that everything that happens now we're playing with house money so let's let's step back and not get too too mad or too happy you know and it's but it, it's tough when you look at that team and we didn't even play our best game and you know it comes down to the last last play of the game and they, they did everything they could they, and, and to their credit man that 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 culture that he's built over there, those guys fought till the very end and never gave up. They did, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you just said it. I mean, they they played a C level game against a really good team who played about an A level game until yeah. the last two minutes, and you almost won it. And as one of our texters pointed out, you needed uh, ten miracles in the last two minutes. You got nine of them, and you didn't <laughs> right? get the tenth. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of the way they had a, an interesting point. I mean, like a guy like Derek Williams sits out the first half, and and so he pops in, and to why it's it's like you know coming into a a dang uh, NASCAR race and just stepping on the track and walking in. I mean, that guy, like, I, could you imagine the speed of that game? Like, if you watched Washington, they were moving. And that yeah. that team was impressive. And, and the hardest part about that game was that 98% of the Washington fans are the nicest human beings in the world, which just makes it even more difficult. It's so much better when someone's <laughs> terrible, you know, and they're just, like, yelling at you the whole time. And all of them were so gracious when they won. I'm like, man – this is uh this, this doesn't make it easier. <laughs> Seriously. Well, they're all from Seattle. They didn't want to go drink on bourbon. They wanted to go to Starbucks and get a coffee <laughs> after the game was over. No, they had a good time. Uh, all right, Nick, uh, let's do some set list ATX. But before we do, and because you know, typically, I'm, am I right on this that January is pretty slow time for music, right? They do a lot of free music, Very, and free week, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Uh, the traveling bands haven't picked back up. So, um, you know, are there some shows that you recommend here coming up this week and weekend where people can get out and see some live music if they still have family hanging around or uh, they want to ring in the new year uh, yeah. back from NOLA? Yeah, there's definitely some cool stuff going on. As you mentioned, though, it is, it's is—it's always a pretty quiet period in the industry just because, one, the touring acts aren't back out. Everybody's still kind of on holiday hangover. And then the, the the local scene tends to try to do things to jumpstart that, which so this week we have uh, Red River does free week. They always do it the first week of January and it's Friday, Saturday this week. And it's it's really something to kind of drum up support for the local venues, get people in there drinking and, and you know, keeping the keeping the bottom line <laughs> moving for the venues. And so that Red River has a bunch of cool stuff going on there but yeah but it is it's it's generally pretty quiet and and austin definitely quiets down a little during the winter because we have so many good outdoor venues and as you can imagine this time of year is generally not the best for outdoor concerts <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it's cold and you can't predict the weather uh so outdoor shows are doing but, but give give folks some uh, some good stuff and we'll post the whole list but are, you, are some of your favorites this weekend if people do want to get out and uh, check out some good live music yeah yeah it's a lot a lot of good local stuff there there honestly are, i could count it on one one hand how many touring acts we have coming through but there but it means that we get a good smattering of local stuff so if, especially if you have family in town it's good to come watch some of those local favorites that that we get a little spoiled with seeing them all the time but some family members might get a little more excited about hmm. Uh, so yeah, tonight we have uh, Indoor Creature, who's one of my favorite indie rock bands. They're playing Hotel Vegas uh, on the east side, and then Mohawk has a really good, uh, call it math rock metal band, Megafauna will be playing. And then Thursday we have Cactus Lee, who's uh, a local kid that plays Americana, but it's it's almost like folk music, and he is a person that I, I cannot recommend enough. He's that that kid's gonna he's gonna go places. It's almost like it's got like a Guy Clark kind of 
old Ooh. school country songwriter feel. Uh, and he this this particular guy was in all these great indie rock bands, and I kind of followed him over the years. His name's Kevin Dehan, and he everything this kid touches is phenomenal. And now he's doing more more country stuff, but he's playing over at Antones Tell, tonight. That's t- that's tonight. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And then the, one of the touring acts I mentioned, Jack Kay's uh, singer songwriter from Cincinnati. He'll be over at three ten at ACL Live. Ephraim Owens, who is a great jazz artist, he's played with Tedeschi Trucks, a bunch of other. Big time artist. He'll be over at the Elephant Room, a good jazz spot, and then local up and coming guitar virtuoso Zach Person. I've talked about him a few times on this show. He's uh, he's kind of in that realm of next great guitar gods from Austin. He'll be over at Sea Boys, which will be a really cool one. If you have somebody in from out of town and kind of want to show him a little Austin field, Zach Person at Sea Boys is a great one. And then also we have Magna Carta, DZ Brown, and Jake Lloyd. A local hip hop showcase will be over at Empire tonight and then the start start of free week jumps out on friday with at empire me and adam adam who are a great local rock band and then flora and fauna who are a great indie rock band they'll be at empire for free that one's cool to check out uh good old school americana country artist willis willis allen ramsey will be over at the 04 center uh del rio legend radney foster who uh Wrote some big hits in the early 90s, like Nobody Wins and a bunch of big country country songs. He'll be over at the Saxon, which will be cool. And if you missed the kid Cactus Leo I was telling you about on Thursday, he's playing uh, Friday over at Sea Boys, too. So that's another cool one to check out. Nice. And then if you just, just want something cool to do, the, the folks at Paramount are doing the Pink Floyd Laser Spectacular will be coming through there, which I, I've never seen and don't know how they quite pull that off. But Paramount's a cool venue with the – you know, a pretty beautiful edifice. So I bet there's a cool way they do the lights in that place. What a word. Edifice yeah. has been dropped today. Thank you very much. <laughs> well done. That's about as good as it gets with me, guys. <laughs> I don't know what Jumped that means. in the jungle and edif- edifice in the same segment. That's pretty good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're covering all the bases here. <laughs> uh, and then Saturday we got uh, the second part of Free Week, Bright Light Social Hour, who are one of Austin's great rock bands. They'll be over at Empire for free. And Star Parks will be at Mohawk for free, a really cool dancey indie rock act from Austin. And then Denton, Texas's Cody West, upcoming country singer, will be out at Green Hall. And then it starts, starts to get a little bit lighter as we go into the, the latter part of the week, but the Peterson Brothers will be at the High Ball, which is located in the Alamo Draft House over off South Lamar. So that, that'll be a cool one to see. And Monday is the BMI Songwriter Series, which if you're just looking for something chill to do, go sit down and have a beer. The, the, singer, the Singer Songwriter Series gets some of Austin's coolest and best up-and-coming talent that the folks at BMI have found and gives them a chance to, to play. And it's pretty curated with a lot of good talent there. So that'll be over at, at the Saxon Pub on Monday. And then on Tuesday, another staple, David Grissom, who, if you're a fan of John Mellencamp, et cetera, he's played guitar for pretty much everybody. He is a nice. super talented guy. He'll be doing his, his normal slot over at the Saxon. Awesome. Thank cool. you, Nick. We'll get that posted up. And uh, live music free week is cool because, what do you say, Rod, free 99. Best price you can get, man. Free, ma- free right 99. Price. They just want you uh, out having some cold drinks and being responsible while you do it. But uh, enjoy some live music. If you haven't been into these uh, – these venues we talk about a lot here on the on the set list ATX, and you just want to check them out. This is a good week to do that because uh, you know, the Mohawks are a really cool place. Empire Control Room is a cool place. I mean, these are just neat places to hang out, uh, so you kind of get a fixture for what they are when we're talking about them here. Uh, into the new year. Any New Year's resolutions, Nick? I think you should probably th- think about doing another job. I think you should take another job like Rod <laughs> over there because you've got like four podcasts. You're president of this. You're working at Keller Williams. I mean, you're doing this with us. Uh, is that is that a real resolution of yours to add more jobs to your resume? Yeah, you know what? With this uh, the crazy New Orleans trip we did, I haven't even had a chance to sit sit back and, and think about it. And I was not thinking about resolutions on the plane. I was thinking about how fast we could get home. So it, I, I've got I've got to think flew, that right? one through. I did. It was. Uh, we took a, a sweet flight that we were able to pull off. It left at 5 a.m., so we left at 3.20 a.m. after the game for the airport. And uh, we went through Tampa and then Raleigh and then got back to Austin. So it was great, man. It's really just <laughs> man, basically flying Ooh. private, really. So <laughs> I'm a little wow. tired and a, a little sore, but, you know, we, yeah. uh, we went to the game. Speaking of that, as we were driving back, we were in like hour eight of the 11-hour journey yesterday in traffic and rainstorms and everything else. Uh, the guy, the guy there with my, my son's buddy was Snapchatting with a friend of his who's in a sorority who let us know that she was on a private jet with her sorority sister's parents. 
Oh, we're like, man. oh, great, thanks. Oh, sent pictures. Man. I was like, damn. <laughs> oh, we're just on the jet. I took a just wrong left somewhere, baby. apparently. Because uh, that, like, that, <laughs> that Southwest on, flight didn't feel real private. <laughs> yeah. I was like, get me on that flight. Uh, you guys can drive this car. Uh, all right. Uh, it turns out I need adaptive cruise control. I needed to get adaptive yeah, cruise control. Like, Your car's too that. old, I guess. I guess my car's too Somebody old. Somebody said a Tesla's really good in, in road trips, too, like that. Because oh, yeah. It, self-driving. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's the way that goes. Uh, all right, Nick. So third and Longhorn. You, know, you guys got a new episode out that I know Rod was a part of. That thing is blowing up. Also, the uh, the Brotherhood basketball podcast with the Texas basketball teams. Uh, how can folks find all that? Yeah, well, we uh, I'll, I'll send you all the links. But, yeah, just on our Instagrams, third and Longhorn, as well as uh, Brotherhood with a B-R-U-T. And we'll definitely be ramping up the Brotherhood now with Royale and DJ and I. Are, we're saying now that football's over, now people start. Oh, yeah. And, you know, hitting Big 12 play. Like, they, they got tech this week. There's going to be some – it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited to see how this team performs against that, that top-grade competition. And so it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, we know the women took a hit with Roy Harmon and her <sighs> injury, terrible injury last week, which is terrible to hear. I hate that for her and for, for, for Vic and that team. Uh, but then the basketball side, we just don't know, right? They have 13 games in. They're 11-2, and two, but they've lost to the, the two best teams they've played, and now they're heading to the gauntlet of the Big 12. Uh, Going to be fun to talk to you, Nick, and, and follow this basketball team into January and beyond. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate it. Happy New Year. Glad you're back safe. Thanks, Thanks guys. You too. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, we'll come back. Uh, when we do, who said that, Rob? Who said Who that? said it coming next? The Horn text line has moved. Join the conversation on the new Horn text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. Ian Rod B. On the Horn. Ooh, Ed, Who said that time? Audio from a lot across the landscape and uh, whether it was current or some of the stuff from the past weekend. So we're just back with you here on a Wednesday. We were with you yesterday, but it was really just a Texas-Washington review. And we're doing some of that still on this Wednesday. Starting to look forward, though, to the big games of the upcoming weekend, which include... Man, some big stuff. As Nick just mentioned, the Longhorn basketball teams, Texas women play tonight in Lubbock against Texas Tech after that loss to Baylor over the weekend mm-hmm. to start conference play. Without Rory Harmon, they've got to find a new identity there. Uh, Texas men play this weekend. And, yeah, week 18 of the NFL, run, the final weekend of the regular season. Uh, our Texans will play the Indianapolis Colts Saturday night in essentially the first AFC playoff game. Who would have thought? Winners in and can get to 10 wins. Loser will go home. Uh, and not make the playoffs. And uh, Cowboys, of course, now can lock up the uh, number two seed with a win over the Washington Commanders after that uh, very, very fortunate victory. Ty asked me a good question during the break was, uh, do you think that the with the officiating – well, actually, let's, let's play this. Let's play the one uh, from ESPN, Ty, that I sent you first. And it'll get it, we'll, we can ch- chat about the uh, Cowboys-Lions game from Saturday night. Can you play the one I sent you from ESPN? Who said this, Rod? Who said it? Do you think Brad Allen made the right call in this position? No, 100%. He, he absolutely missed it. A hundred percent he missed it. And would we please stop blaming the players? The players did exactly what they were supposed to do. Every one of them, right from Jared Goff going over and telling Decker, go report. He went right over there and reported with that nod of the official. The nod, the, I think the official assumed 70 was because uh. he was reporting all day. That's a plan, yes. by the way. But the, where, where Dan Campbell failed is that he assumed that the official would have got it right. Why? Because he went over it specifically with the before the game. That's what you do. The officials come in, you go over every uh, trick play scenario and all that stuff with the officials before the game. So he actually tells the official, we have a play where we're throwing it to Decker and number 68, and he's going to report. Yes, Yes. and there's a grease board, and you literally will draw the play up exactly how it is. You would, I guarantee you, he drew up the fake pun as well, okay, yep, that, that the, the officials got yep. right. And you know what? This is a huge mistake. But the thing that bothers me the most is that we're, po- we're putting blame on the players. Stop. The players did everything right. So quit blaming. Quit covering somebody's butt. Yeah, and I mean- tell it the way it is. Be a man and take responsibility. It's BS. And this thing right here, and oh, it's just a game. Yeah, it's a game that may very well cost them the second seed, certainly, yeah. and possibly the first seed. Yep. 
Yeah. And that is a huge difference having to play on the road instead of playing at home. There you go, Rod. Who said that? Rex Ryan. Yeah, coming hard. Said it with his chest, too. Now, Cowboys fans, the thing Ty asked me before the uh, we got back from the break, you know, was the screw-up by Brad Allen and his crew a makeup call? Because earlier in the play, they called a tripping penalty on the Cowboys. That yeah, wasn't even wrong team. Wrong team. <laughs> they, 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 they saw the wrong leg. Yeah. Trip. Whatever. Yeah. That was bad. And it went against the Cowboys, and the game would have been over at that point. So, you know, yeah, so was it a makeup call? I don't know. Either way, Cowboys, take your break and take your two seed. Go beat Washington. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty good stuff from Rex Ryan, though, because that's good, that's good coaching stuff, taking you behind the scenes. They do meet with the officials before every game. Yep, and talk to them about that stuff. Those are the, that's when you bring those things up so that they're not surprised by it when they see it. Well, because Dan Campbell said it during the game. You can uh, reading his lips. He says, "We talked about this. <laughs> we talked about this, man. What are you I told you this was going to happen, and it happened. And now you're acting like, you know, you didn't see the three line offensive linemen walk up to you." Hey, but before Rod gives us his who said that, Rod, for our audience here, can you play that uh, Dan Campbell controlled fury again? Wow. Because obviously Dan Campbell was not happy. Uh, he's pretty angry about it because, uh, as Rex Ryan accurately said, it could cost them the one seed. Because remember, San Francisco now locks up the one seed because of their loss, and now they would have to play this weekend without Christian McCaffrey because he, he's not playing because of a calf injury. Yeah. Now they don't have to play him. That's a different team yes. without Christian McCaffrey. And the Lions could win, and they could get the one seed. Um, and McCaffrey's going to be out. I mean, this is this is big for everybody because um, you know the, 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 now McCaffrey gets this week off and next week because they already have the one buy of the NFC. But here's Dan Campbell's reaction to it. He was not happy. Yeah, I th- like when when you got the penalty and move it to go the. Go ahead and say it. Say oh, it. Not, no. Both of you. What? Say it. Say what you want to say. I think from the seven, it's a low percentage play. I think your chances of winning are lower than if you kick the extra point. I would have. I would like you would say it to anybody else. I'm on the radio. Say it like you want to say it. Yeah. I thought it was a reckless decision. Thank you. <laughs> okay, but you don't regret it. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's a great piece of audio. Though. Well, I got pure octane right now. I woke up. I'm ready. There we go. Pure octane from Dan Campbell. He's intense. And, uh, yeah, I, after that game, I thought he did a great job controlling his emotions. I watched his post-game interview after the game. So I was like, man, he's about to go off. And he actually didn't go off. He was, he was visibly upset. Well, that's where you know the leader's got to keep his wits. Yeah, he, he knew, like, that, okay, the NFL's watching this because this is a biz. Because the, the entire post-game story was headline was about that play. They did, like, 30 minutes about that one play. And that is a bad look. I, your conspiracy theory, Todd, is not – I don't think it's that crazy. Those officials definitely knew they screwed up that uh, that tripping call. And if that tripping, well, by the way, where were they playing Arlington? They can look up and see the replay. Yeah, they knew they're like, damn, we screwed it up. They it's, can see it like, it's also, uh, I mean, I, I hate to slight the Lions, but I think there would have been more outrage if it would have been the role. The teams would have been reversed there, or or more sure. people would have been happy probably that the Cowboys got screwed over. But I, I, I don't know. I don't. Well, I don't I mean, think I mean, even as a Cowboy fan, you can you can feel bad for the Lions, but at the same time, yeah. the Lions benefited from a huge blunder yeah. to even be in that position. Well, Dan Campbell's probably my favorite Aggie ever. Probably the only yeah. Aggie that I actually legitimately. I'm like, I like that guy. I think he's a, a good football. <laughs> well, and Dan Campbell, the the piece of radio audio was him being. That's great. You know, talk. He was talking to the to the local media there on a radio show, <laughs> and uh, clearly they, they, he wanted them to to say what they really be a man, say what you really think. That's it. Uh, because Dan Campbell, after getting screwed over by the call went for it from, from the seven-yard line for a two-point conversion instead of kicking the extra point. Circumstances probably should change your after, decision. After his third time, because the second time was Michael Parsons. Offsides. Maybe he jumped offside. So gave me, he gave me three different chances to change his mind about the two-point conversion, and he was so adamant, we're going for it. We're going for the two-point. Even from the seven? It's like, well, on, and, and the, 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 the didn't check in illegal, that took it back ten yards. And he still went for it. <laughs> so you were at the 12. As I say, they, and that's when Michael Parsons jumped offside, so they moved back to the seven. And it still could have been, okay, let's kick this. Yeah, come on, Dan. Because remember, they didn't get it on the, from the 12-yard line, yeah. because, but they got to play it again because Michael Parsons jumped offside. Yeah. And at that point, you probably should have said, you know, let's kick the extra point. Let's kick the extra point. The football guys were trying to – Trying to tell you, Dan. Trying to tell you, trying to tell you. Did you have one there, there Ron? Uh, well, we can play it on the other side. It's 10 o'clock. We can play uh, the, the one I sent down on the other side. It's, it's, I, I won't tell you what it is because who said that. But it's who said that. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It is funny. Yeah. Can't wait to hear it. All right, we'll have that. Uh, plus, it's the fabulous fifth hour. And uh, looking forward to that. You never know. Anything could happen. Could be pineapple on pizza or something else. And January. January. Which Rod has made it very clear. He I'm, is opposed. I'm vehemently opposed to that. To January. No. I am too. Disgusting. Uh, but I'm with Ty on the dry January. I think that's probably a good thing to do. Nice job. It's not bad.
Um, I would personally choose February because it's a shorter month, but, uh, you know. <laughs> well, we're already a few days in. It's, yeah. It's, we're good. Uh, oh, you haven't started yet. I see you're kind of dry, dry January. Yeah, no fast food and, and no alcohol starting today. It's mainly because my girlfriend's doing it, and I, I'm not just going to go out without her. So I'm being supportive. You're a good man. Good no fast food or booze. I mean, your well, body might fall apart here. Withdrawals. Yeah. What's going to happen here? With the withdrawals, buddy. Trust we'll me. <laughs> we'll report back, and you'll hear about it here on Hook 'Em Up with E and Rod B. Fabulous fifth hour coming next. All right, so we head toward 10 o'clock. We're in pretty fine shape around town, northbound I-35. Of course, we're still not going to be completely done with those.